Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host Elias Roush. Today we are discussing Maniac, Season 1, Episode 2, Windmills. Directed by Kerry Fukunagua and pretty much all the same writers. One thing I didn't mention in the first um, episode of our review <clears throat> was that this is actually based off of another show, I believe it's called Maniac, in Sweden. It's a Swedish television show that is, I think, very loosely based off of this, or uh, uh, vice versa, this is based off of that, and uh, obviously some many other influences as well. Episode 2 was the episode I wanted in the first pilot episode, if that makes sense. The first episode was a little bit slow in getting into the premise of who this character was. It was Jonah Hill's uh, Owen Milgram character. That character was okay. It was explained um, that he's a little bit schizophrenic. He's a crazy, quote-unquote. He has a brother he may or may not be seeing named Crimson, I believe. And we can tell his brother is just popping in and out of the scenes, just almost like teleporting. And we know it's him because he has glasses and a mustache. So this was all stuff that I kind of just passed over in the first episode uh, review. But I just kind of wanted to review with everyone to make sure everyone was on the same page. And if I'm not getting this right, y'all let me know. Just send in luckydogpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or comment below, whatever. Check the show notes for any information, um, contact information. But yeah, so it, there's a lot of jam-packed information in the first episode. It's really condensed. We find out, you know, most of Jonah Hill's kind of uh, psyche. He's not doing so hot. He's being told by his brother that is just popping in and out of the scenes that he needs to go talk to uh, an agent. And this agent happens to be Emma Stone's character, who we find in episode two. Episode 2 is a much more, um, I don't know, uh, I don't want to say theatrical ride, but it's a, I feel like it's a stronger opening to the show because Jonah Hill's character is relatively, uh, I don't want to say he's depressed, but he's he's withdrawn from, uh, you know, how he normally acts and other, you know, roles. He's, he's normally normally loud and rambunctious a little bit you know he's kind of a pistol um this lets emma stone take the rain take the reins as um as the lead character in episode two annie landsberg and it's very much an intersection of the first pilot but we're kind of we're getting much more entered we're getting introduced to her psyche and her um her background and i feel like episode two really does a good job of explaining the world uh laying down tracks for um future episodes of why we should be interested in it um she has some like is her dad in a machine is her real dad in in a machine called a void or something like that there is world building that is 
created in this infrastructure that we see a little bit in the first episode, but a lot more in the second one. It's called like Ad Buddy, and it seems to be like this kind of like over overlord Enron kind of company or something that is involved in many people's personal lives. I guess this is supposed to be like the quote unquote Amazon of uh, of the show. It's kind of like uh, you know overlording everybody and to you know, buying their products, using their products and stuff like that, you know, to use, use their payment system or something like that. It's very pushy is what I'm, what I'm feeling. And so in the first episode, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping first back and forth, but there is a lot of comparisons that we have to do. Um, the first episode, we see Jonah Hill talk to some <clears throat> random guy with ad buddy that introduces him to, uh, the N NPB um company i think it's uh i'll I'll get the name of the mpb it's a mysterious pharmaceutical company that um is looking for you know tests and trials and people that they can you know help test these drugs on so basically first episode we really get a, a psyche roundup of owen milgram He's seeing his brother, he's telling him he's going to save the world and he has to go talk to an agent and he has to go. We do find out that um, there is a trial that um, that is eventually going to come back up, uh, I guess, after all of the pharmaceutical testing that he has to uh, have an alibi for his brother or something like that. I, I, I'm very unclear about it and the way it's written, it's just so cavalier. It's almost like we jumped in the third episode and we missed the first two. So there is what it feels like is there's 20 minutes missing in the first episode that really needs to help describe what is going on in uh, in Jonah Hill's head. And because we don't really know if he's sane or not, it's a lot more difficult to tell where the hell we are in the story. So when we jump into episode two, we get much more of a fleshed out background of we see why she why. Emma Stone wants <clears throat> wants this uh, pill, this pharmaceutical company to <clears throat> why she wants to be involved in it, and she's addicted to the drugs essentially. And um, it is an elaborate way to get to it. She, you know, she has to go through her friend who's playing chess with a robot koala, and it's 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 hilarious, but it's also very odd. But it does give like some very uh, Mr. Robot vibes, if y'all know what I mean, uh, with the chest and all um, chess. The the way the episode is laid out in episode two with um, with Annie Landsberg, uh, Emma Stone's character, going through the motions of, <clears throat> okay, we see her on this crazy high, which is done really well. It's done in a cinematic view. We see her just laying on the couch. We get an idea. We get an idea of time passing. We know where she's been, where she lives. We really got a, a sense of who she is very quickly. Um, we know she wants the drugs. We know she has a bad uh, history with her, uh, you know, her sister because she was kind of an ass to her. And we find out a, a little bit later. Um, so I would say we get more character development with Annie Landsberg and being able to see Emma Stone, you know, lash out and 
do these crazy things for money like so she just randomly meets someone named Juanita or something like that at like this tree uh museum place or something like that I I, I really don't know and you're like what is going on is I was like damn it this is like one of those <clears throat> scenes in the first episode where we have no idea what they're talking about and they're they're just automatically talking about meeting up and knowing each other and then all of a sudden uh she's like oh yeah I remember going down to uh New Jersey with Uncle Liam or something like that and then Juanita turns to her and she's like Uncle Liam who the fuck is Uncle Liam and I, w I was like what the fuck is going on and she was like okay do you want me to do it again do you want me again and so we find out she's doing this service it's like a friend proxy is what it's called and <clears throat> it's like uber for friends it's like if you don't have a friend you order a friend to go hang out with or something or yeah you order a friend to go hang out with and you get paid for it to hang out with someone random and that was a really cool and unique idea but we really get an idea for the fact that annie's not doing that great on um funds and she wants some more drugs and she was going to uh blackmail this juanita person but she really just she, she caved on the idea um i was kind of surprised she was doing all this blackmail shit but she was like fuck you lady and then everyone was just like whoa so um long story short we see annie go to the pharmaceutical place we see um first of all i thought this was excellently shot i thought this entire episode was uh much more well thought out and maybe it should have been attached to the first episode honestly it would have made it a lot better because it gives two two stories and one pilot and it would have left it in a, a i think a more satisfying way um i'm i i had to go back and watch the first episode again to make sure i wasn't like missing anything and this is a show that you can absolutely rewatch multiple times because you'll see different camera angles happening at different times from first to second angle we'll see in the first episode jonah hill walking and looking at emma stone and the second uh episode emma stone is running out of the office that we see in the first episode but just from a different perspective and you're just like holy shit jonah hill's in the background you see him and he's he's eyeballing her and when she goes to sit down you understand her mentality you understand why the hell she's so pissed she was told that she was going to go through this test and everything and i was uh very surprised by how clever it was and i just didn't get that cleverness i didn't get that hook the first time i watched it um the, the first episode so maybe this would have been a better i don't know a movie length of an episode um you know for the first two episodes to just kind of combine them together I, I i talked about this in the first um the first podcast we did on it i was like i don't know this really feels <clears throat> feels a little weird so yes i think episode two defines what we're looking for in this series and you know it it looks good sounds good i do think the music could be a little bit bumped up just a little little bit more mr robotty with the robot the uh electrical synths and stuff like that and just give it a tad more personality and i think that would do it i know everything about this has tons of personality tons of style tons of theme it's like a steampunk 80s future where people are smoking excessively and 
there's robots cleaning up sheet on the street and um it's it's cool and it's feels like a lived-in world and kind of honestly it feels like a different type of world because i mean when emma stone's walking down the uh, annie landsberg's walking characters walking down the street um we're looking at buildings that are excessively colorful and um just different and it, it looks different than the real world so they really went went through and took their time with the background and set dressing to really go go and set this um i i do enjoy annie landsberg more than jonah hill's character um owen <clears throat> just because I, I i don't know if i like how crazy he's playing uh owen milgram because when they start talking at the end of episode one he's like you're my agent you're this that and the other and he's poking her to make sure she's real in this me too environment you can't be poking women and just in in or poking anybody in this <clears throat> environment people don't want to be touched people don't want to be uh uh, addressed in that manner and i was like this is severely uncomfortable so i thought that him talking to himself just a little bit is just a little just uncomfortable just on a couple levels he sounded a little crazy he's poking her he's touching her he's harassing her and i was like this is not a very good start for this uh little dynamic they got going on so evidently they start going through trials in uh the second episode and she's, you know, we, we know about the pills. We know that there's ABC pills. It's explained by um, Justin Thoreau, I, I, I forgot to mention, uh, from The Leftovers. I'm so glad uh, he's in this. He's hilarious playing this, like, I don't know, sh kind of like cheesy doctor, uh, psychologist or something like that. He plays Dr. James K. Mantle Ray. And he is just kind of ridiculous, honestly. He's... Uh, got this crazy toupee looking thing going on. I don't think this is real hair. And uh, I just thought that his character with the glasses, he just looks like someone that put on a lab coat and glasses and started reading off of a uh, teleprompter or something like that. And him and Mr. Maramato are doing this explanation of these abc pills and how they are correlating to you know your process and psyche and evaluation of other emotions and it is just ridiculously explained in this like crazy um looks like a four by three like ratio it's very small and it's <clears throat> kind of just it's not a hundred it's not sleek you know like sometimes you see like corporate sleek videos of pharmaceutical things happening this was like purposely done with like some weird retro retro style and i really dig it and it was kind of funny at the same time and it no one really acted weird about it they were like what you know um so i did think the uh the way people are acting and reacting to some of these things are i guess kind of subtle like i would have been like this looks really cheap and really <laughs> Like, I'm not taking these pills, man. <laughs> like, I don't care how much you're paying me. You get freaking bombs beside the uh, the document that says how dangerous it is and means more money, no risk, no reward from that guy. That guy has been in one too many of those uh, tests or something like that. Owen was sitting next to. And, um, yeah. Anyways, I think... Oh, one more thing before we close up. We do need to talk about the... <clears throat> 
once they ingest um once once emma stone's character ingests the pill she goes in like a dream state of a memory i believe and this is some sometime uh let's let's say it's five years before i don't know if we got an actual time uh time stamp on it but it seems that she's reliving a traumatic memory of her and her sister traveling over to Salt Lake City, I believe, and she eventually her sister tells her on the on the way that she wants to stay there, um, move there with with her fiance, and all Emma, all Annie Landsberg has to say is just nasty things about her, and you know how much better it's gonna be without her there, and I didn't really feel, um, like that was necessary to tell her off like that. I know that. Uh, her sister played by Ozark's own uh, Julia Gar Garner, who plays Ellie Landsberg. Um, she did a fantastic job, but I didn't feel like anything that Ellie said to uh, Annie in the hotel room uh, really, really warranted, you know, going off on her sister like that. And so they, you know, she goes off in the dream. She's going off on her sister on... Uh, at the hotel they they have an awkward you know time going to sleep and then they wake up and she's like all right well next morning they're driving and annie's like well, well we'll pull over and i'll take a good photo for you and stuff like that and apparently she was like taking photos of her arm or something like her armpit or something like that and when she was supposed to be taking photos of her sister and her sister was just like upset because she wanted to spend time with her and you know get nice pictures and stuff i don't know um why aren't they using cell phones by the way i, I like what, what what was going on um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, we see them arguing, uh, after she, after Annie pretends to take a photo of them and she ends up not taking the photo while they're driving and this tractor trailer's coming down, it's like, Rrr! and, you know, of course they're arguing she's like, I'm again, I'm again. And then all of a sudden it's like, and she's like, Shim! and the car goes scraping across <clears throat> well, it the car, the Jeep Cherokee that they're driving, hits and slams up against the tractor trailer. It's like shim. It's like, and <clears throat> on the way down, clothes and everything are falling out. Uh, Annie falls out of the car, out of the uh, Jeep, and the Jeep continues to roll off the cliff. And all we see is the Jeep all the way down at the end, and um. Yeah, the Jeep starts to catch on fire. Annie's knocked out um, on the hill, kind of closer to the uh, the top of the hill. And the, the tractor trailer driver's running over, and all we see is the flames coming out of the Jeep. And so I guess her sister passed away in that, and that would be tremendous guilt. That would probably lead... Um, Annie to do these drugs because I mean we do talk we do talk about um, I mean sorry Annie does discuss this with Juanita you know <clears throat> we we find out why she's taking these drugs and what make her feel better um, but I don't think we actually have confirmation that Ellie is dead so she might have something wrong with her um, she you know after that wreck because I mean that would be really difficult to recover from so we have no idea at the end of that uh the you know dream state comes comes back and we're like 
back online and we're back in that crazy room where everyone's sitting with the radiation things going beside their heads and bring it um so yeah uh episode two was what i wanted in episode one i think they just should have you know slapped them together you say fuck it you're gonna watch a full movie and you're gonna like it and that that's what it, it should have been um <clears throat> let's see one thing I didn't talk about in the first um, episode was the editing at the very beginning. There's an amazing opening segment of explaining. I, I, I'm, I, I've watched it three times, and I'm pretty sure they're explaining life. But it is, uh, it's extremely dense and convoluted, and it sounds like something Cary Fukunaga would write. I mean, he's a very uh, thoughtful writer, writer to say the late, to say the least. I just think. Um, it was, uh, it was a really interesting way to start it out, um, but once we're once we're finished doing all these uh, transitions from animals' eyes into the world into, uh, I don't know, it looked like an egg and an embryo coming, an embryo egg coming on screen and then sperm fertilizing, and it was like shown, and then all you. All that happens from all that editing and explanation is it pulls out from from a, a, a photo of that happening of, you know, the embryo and the egg or the, yeah, it looks like sperm going to an embryo. Um, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, I probably am. Um, and it's on a gas station, um, like, window. And it's where Emma, uh, Annie Landsberg and some guy at the gas station are arguing about if the government is watching or something i was like what the fuck i uh, after watching that twice i was still was like this, this is a very odd opening i don't know it was just felt a little rocky and uh i did find out that annie was the one that was going through the bullshit um <laughs> at the very beginning of uh episode one and she throws the uh rubik's cube that jonah hill ends up playing with during that interview with uh the mock lawyers and his father which i don't know if i explained 100 percent in the first one but yeah that was them going over a, a i guess like a, a fake trial sort of of what they would be asking him and i i do think that was a good scene um it's a show that just needs to be watched several times because it's uh it's extremely dense, compelling. It's got thematic flair. It's um, I I I am trying to be a little bit more positive on it this time because I do feel like I kind of went in it with um a little too stern on the first episode, which I don't know. I I, I tried to give it a, a a fair review for people that just want to watch the first episode. Not everyone wants to, uh, you know, watch one, two, three, and then decide if they want to continue on. Um, I'm definitely continuing on. I do think this is a very promising show. It's got uh, it's got stellar performances. It's uh, definitely a look into Netflix's um, sci-fi realm and uh, much more thought-provoking than most of their television shows, I would say. So yeah, I, I, I'm really glad we have something like this on Netflix. We're going to continue to watch it. We're going to do a couple predictions. Please rate, share, subscribe, Lucky Dog Podcast. Check all the information you need in the show notes. And we're going to talk about some uh, predictions and then maybe a little bit of spoilers in comparison to uh, 
Mr. Robot. I feel like this is such a Mr. Robot show, it needs to have like comparison section, so we'll leave that a little bit further down um, after the spoiler section, after this prediction section. So predictions for episode 3, episode 4, episode 5 of, uh, you know, the next few episodes of Maniac. So I think that we're going to get a better look into the character development of Jonah Hill and um, Jonah Hill and Annie Landsberg. Um, Annie Landsberg's background just intrigues me so much more than uh, than having this crimson guide pop in and out of uh, Jonah Hill's psyche. I, I, the pattern is the pattern. Uh, what what does that mean? That is it just like a thing that we're supposed to a motto we're supposed to you know tweet out and say to other people. Um, there. I really hope we see Dust, uh, Justin Thoreau as a real character, not just on screen. We've seen um, two or three billboards. When when they're walking on the street, there's so much background dressing and information that you literally have to go back and watch again if you want to catch it all. Um, and watch with the captions um, just to catch everything. The billboards have actors and actresses on there that you would not guess to have... I mean, you normally don't see... Um, just on billboards and stuff like that so we're probably going to see like this doctor that um we we've seen um there's like doctors and psychologists that are advertised on the billboards of the backgrounds of these episodes and the i think we're going to see these doctors and, and um yeah um they're going to be incorporated they're going to be incorporated with the story somehow I really want to go back to Annie Landsberg's father in that box. Like, what the hell is going on with that? I mean, it 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 must be some sort of uh, uh, chamber he just goes and sits in. I don't know. It looked very odd the way it was placed just outside randomly. And it had some sort of Back to the Future looking uh, uh, dials on there saying who knows what. I couldn't really read, I guess, oxygen levels or something. Um but the voicing with that was really cool. I like. I at first I thought his her father was was AI technology, but it seems that he can remove himself from the box if if uh, if she says let's go get coffee when he's back or something. Um, yeah, I I definitely have a lot more questions on the Annie side than I do the Crimson side or the Crimson the uh, Jonah Hill side uh, as Owen. Um, I hope. Let me see. The doctors. I didn't really talk about the doctors too much in the first episode. The doctors in this have got some serious personality. One doctor, Murimoto, he's like, you don't fuck this up, and I don't fuck this up. And that was his fucking joke. And I was rolling, laughing. I was dying. But after watching it the second time, I was like, this is kind of scary. You don't want a doctor to say that type of stuff. I was like, fuck. <laughs> uh, so um, I had mixed feelings about that. Um, his second doctor. Um, uh, let me see if I can find her. But first of all, one, she's got some style. She's got some serious wit about her. And she's always smoking a cig. And she's smoking like she's in an 80s movie or something like that. Like an 80s bad cop or something. So, um, yeah, I was just like, what in the fuck? And, uh, 
let me see if I can find the name of the second doctor real quick. Um, bear with me. And Dr. Azumi Fujita. Fajita. No, wait. That's only if it's Hispanic, I think. No, it's not Fajita. It's Fujita. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who knows? These, uh, these names these days. Learning new ones every day. So, Sonoya Mizuno plays Dr. Azumi Fujita. And I apologize if I fucked that up somehow. Um, let me know how to pronounce if y'all were from the, that uh, area. So, yeah, I was like, what is what is her deal? She's always lighting up a cig. I think she's going to... She's... She's like a cliche, overly sexualized uh, scientist that I have to feel is going to just turn on its head. You know she's going to have so much more to her. Um, yeah, I was just like, there's, there's got to be more to her. And I don't know who that's going to come in contact with. I mean, Justin Thoreau is obviously the best looking guy on the show. So that's obviously my main shipping them together probably. Uh Plus, they're both doctors. Um, yeah, I I think that's about it. Um, Sally Field, sorry. That that was the other doctor that we see advertised in the backgrounds as Dr. Greta Mantle Ray. Um, oh, so she is married to... Sally Field's character, Dr. Greta Mantle Ray, is married to Justin Thoreau's Dr. James K. Mantle Ray, I'm assuming. But we have not seen... Sally Field on the show outside of advertisements. So, leads me to say she's definitely going to come into this uh, as a full-fledged three-dimensional, uh, hopefully three-dimensional character. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to jump into a little bit of spoilers with Mr. Robot. I, uh, I've talked a little bit in the last episode about Mr. Robot spoilers, so let's continue on about just some of the comparisons. If you haven't seen Mr. Robot seasons one, two, or three, really, I would start to tune out now. Go check that out. It's an awesome show, and it'll really enlighten you on some excellent filmmaking in television. Is That's how I got to say it. Um, yeah, check it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about Mr. Robot and Maniac spoilers. Um, only spoilers for the first two episodes of Maniac and spoilers for the first three seasons of Mr. Robot. Here we go. So, watching it a second time, I was like, holy shit, this has seriously got some Mr. Robot vibes. Um, they, Crimson, this guy that Jonah Hill keeps seeing, one, he's always popping up and popping in out of everywhere. He's wearing glasses, just like, uh, what's his face, uh, Slater does, and uh, Christian Slater does in Mr. Robot. Jonah Hill is riding the subway like a depressed sack, um, just like Rami Malek was. Um, what is that? Three or four right there. Um, random people are talking to him on the subway that with like no explanation. We have no idea what's going on. Um, there we go. In There's like an Enron like evil court company, just like in Mr. Robot. There's, there's some sort of ad buddy system. That's like five or six similarities right there. So uh, there's like, I think there's some sort of cryptocurrency that is supposed to be relevant in Mr. Robot is supposed to be 
sort of a cryptocurrency here. I think AdBuddy is supposed to be like that. Like I mean, it's a debt debt system. Um, there is a lead uh, Asian scientist behind all of this, uh, Miramoto in this, and in Mr. Robot we have uh, what was his name? Um, White Rose, sorry, played by B.D. Wong. And um, it, the, the similarities are so so similar. Jesus, it is uh, almost uncomfortable. And um, I mean, some of the the shots feel even the same when they're looking at the company, like uh, when they're looking at the the pharmaceutical company. I think it was MPB. They 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 show the the company. I don't know, just in the building at the actual building itself, like emboldened, if you know what I mean, they kind of had the corner of the building shown and they look up and then look back down. I mean, there's almost a shot for shot for in Mr. Robot where they do that same thing where they show the building looking really, really high up uh, and showing the three corners of the building. And there's just stylistic things, plot details, uh, character motivations, uh, drug use. I mean, there's uh, people hallucinations. Um, there is a lot of shit that is very similar to this show, and uh, it just uh, I like Mr. Robot. Like it's one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, shows I've ever seen. It, it's a uh, it, it it's inspirational and it's excellent storytelling and acting. And this. I can just feel it. He was like, oh, I want some of this from it. I want some of this. Has that Back to the Future bullshit from, uh, uh, what, do, what do we have in Mr. Robot? You know, this, there's a Back to the, Back to the Future motif kind of going on throughout all seasons. Um, possible tra time travel. Um, there might be time travel in Maniac in the future. So we really don't know. The possibilities on this are kind of endless, which does get me excited in one end. On the other, I feel like this is Kerry Fukunaga's Mr. Robot. So, you win some, you lose some. Like, let's see how original this can get without getting too close to it. Because it is kind of like a, a robot meets Inception or something in that realm. So, quick correction for Rome Conda as Dr. Robert Muramato and Sonoya Mizuno. Both actor and actress are of Japanese descent, not Chinese. Sorry about that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate everyone listening. Lucky Dog Podcast. Rate, share, subscribe. Check out all the information you need to know in the show notes. Thank you, and take it easy.